my friend, Dennis Gebhardt here, welcoming you to this episode of Guru in Your Ear. We have been uh, working on a series called Trainer to Trainer. And so today, uh, I just want to give you a little bit of an introduction into some skills that may help you understand the people in your audience a little bit better. Have you ever heard the terminology, everything speaks? Well, in education, it does. Um, we've all had training or we've read in books about, you know, visual learners, auditory learners, and kinesthetic learners. Uh, but there's more to that. It, it's a little bit deeper. Here's a little bit of fact that might, you might find interesting. First of all, did you know that we retain approximately 10% of what we see? 30 to 40% of what we see and hear, and 90% of what we see, hear, and do. We all have the capability to learn via all three styles, but are usually dominant in one. So let's talk about those visual, let's talk about those styles. So today I want to just focus on the visual learner. Here's a couple of things I want to share with you. First of all, Visual learners need to see an instructor's facial expressions and body language to fully understand the content of a lesson. Now, I want you to just kind of percolate on that for a couple of minutes. They have to see your facial expressions, so those are important, and they need to see your body language in order to fully understand the content of a lesson. So it's more than the words we use, it's more than the content we share, it's how we share it. They tend to sit at the front of the classroom to avoid visual distractions. So they're the ones that are in the front row. They tend to think in pictures and learn best from visual displays. During a lecture or a discussion, they tend to take detailed notes and absorb the information. These are all visual learners. Visual learners, the keys to helping your program be more successful are things like transparencies, which we don't use anymore, slides, videos, PowerPoint, flip charts. How many of you are really hesitant about using a flip chart? Or how many of us have never really looked at what there is in the skill of working on a flip chart? That's real important. And we'll talk about flip charting later on in this series. So uh, they also love reading aloud. So for those visual learners, it's very, very important that, uh, number one, the environment be set up properly. Number two, that we are interactive when we do our program. I know you've seen people stand in the center of the room and not move. We are our little safe space, our little circle, and we're afraid to move outside of that circle. And sometimes our body language is speaking louder than the words we use. I'm sure you've seen people physically demonstrate that they were confused about what they were going to speak on next, or they were confused about what the next exercise would be, or they were actually, I call it thinking out loud, you could see them pause, actually freeze in motion and their eyes would glance up to the left. They'd have that left glance. That means their brain's working to try and capture that thought. So 
when we are preparing or practicing for our presentations, it is essential that we practice good facial expressions. We have practice animated body language, and we make sure that things that we're using that are visual are incorporated into our presentation. The more visual we become, the better the learner is. So that's a visual learner. But let's talk about adults for a minute. You know, there's a couple of things that educators and the experts in the educational field assume. First of all, they assume that adults want to know why they should learn. And I think that's really key. You know, you talk to someone who comes to a, a, a hair color class and they've been doing it. They've been in the industry for 20 years. They kind of say, well, what do I have to learn? You know, you know, why should I learn this information? You know, adults are motivated to put time and energy into learning. Here's the key. If they know the benefits of learning and the cost of not knowing. So they have to know what's the benefit? What, what's this going to do for me? In presentation skills, we call that the WIFM, W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? All right. And then they also need to know what is the sacrifice they may have to make if they don't know this. Because sometimes if we show them the difference in understanding and how much more successful they will be, it will create that urgency and they'll understand the why. And we'll talk about that in this series as well. The why they should learn. So how do we get around that? Or how do we work with that? First of all, we develop a need to know in, in the learners. So we have to make sure that they understand, here's why you need to listen to what I'm sharing with you today. Here's the benefit it will be. Make a case for the value of the learning in their lives. The second assumption that we have about adult learners is that adults need to take responsibility. By definition, adult learners have a self-concept of being in charge of their own lives. Many of you can attest to that, that are listening to me today. And being responsible for their own decisions and a need to be seen and treated as being capable of taking responsibility. So we have to teach or have to treat our learners with respect. Understand that responsibility is key and essential. And we understand that. And we understand that they are in charge of their own lives. So we ask permissions. You know, may I be your coach today? That's one thing you'll want to ask. You know, may I share it with you today? You know, get them to commit to allow you to share because now they're giving you permission that makes them in part ownership of that class. Realize that despite the self-concept and the need for responsibility, once they enter a classroom, many adults revert to their school and college days when they tended to be passive learners. Do not fall into that trap, assuming that they want to learn passively. You must, in order to make your class successful, you must empower them to learn and to take responsibility for learning. Enable the, those learners to assess their own learning. So after we've shared a piece of information, we give them a moment to debrief it, if you will, in groups, and then come back and say, what were your discoveries? What questions do you have? 
that helps them take responsibility for their own learning. These things are very, very important, and we must know that this is the assumption about adult learners. We're not teaching children in school. That's why one of the things we talk about are state changes or exercises. And what I see happen a lot of times is people say, let's play a game. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, but adults don't always want to play a game. But if we consider it a learning exercise or a setup for content we're about to share, and that's what I always try to do when I do a program, it's always about it's setting up the next piece of information that I'm going to deliver, then they're more inclined to participate. <clears throat> Here's assumption number three. Adults bring experience to learning. They do. They've been doing hair for a long time. That experience is a resource for themselves and for other learners and gives richer meaning to the new ideas and skills. And experience is a source of an adult self-identity. Here's the interesting thing. My mentor always said, <clears throat> the answer is in the room. Many times, as the trainer, you don't have to answer every question. Many times the answer's in the room if you give them time to discuss it. You know, talk about it. Take three minutes, talk about this among yourselves, and then come back with me to what discoveries did you make and what questions did it bring to the service, to the surface. <laughs> and that way, it helps them become involved. And they are adding their experience to the course. And now they feel that they have partial ownership in what's going on. Experience is both a plus and sometimes just a minus. You know, you know that person who said, I've been doing this for 20 years and I'm an expert and I'm advanced. And sometimes you look at them and you say, well, if you've been doing the same thing for 20 years, if you've not changed, if you've not moved forward, if you've not grown, if you've not adapted new skills, then you really can't consider yourself advanced. You know, you may have experience in one thing rather than growing. So sometimes it can be a minus. It is a plus because it's a vast resource. It's a minus because it can lead to biasness and presumptions because adults define themselves by their experience, respect and value that experience. So that's the one thing we have to remember. So we have to continue to respect and value that experience. Assumption number four, adults are ready to learn when their need arises. Here's a fact. Adults learn when they choose to learn and commit to learn. That desire to learn usually coincides with a transition from one developmental task, such as career planning, acquiring job com competencies, improving job performance, etc. Often, however, adults perceive employer-provided training, those of you who are teaching and so on, as employer-required employer training because we didn't set it up so that they understand that they need this. Even if they're an employee in the salon, these skills will help them be more successful in the industry. Be aware that some learners might not want to be there, <laughs> in which case you have to be honest with them. 
acknowledge the fact and the fact that nothing can be done about it, then agree to make the most out of the training. On the other hand, be aware that for those who want to be in the class, training is important, and they must walk away with something. We call that training for transfer. So you're going to have those kinds of people in your classes. You're going to have what I call um, the graduates. You're going to have those are the ones who think they know everything. And uh, they didn't come to learn. They just came to see if you know as much as they know. Then you're also going to have the cynics. The cynics are the people who say, I've heard it all before. This is not new to me. And um, they're going to be in your class as well. You're going to have the eager learners. You're going to know who they are because their heads are nodding up and down as you, you could say the sky is red. And they would say, yeah, the sky is red. I believe you. And we feed off those people because they are our cheerleaders. And then, of course, the final one is the prisoner who is there because their boss told them to be there uh, and they're not happy. So you have to make sure that when we are doing our programs that we understand our learners. Final thing, final assumption for adults. Adults are task-oriented. So we have to give them tasks. You know, that also makes it a little bit more kinesthetic. We'll talk about that in a later episode. So the most important thing to remember there is organize your content around tasks, not subjects. So you can have them do these hands-in programs, very simple things to keep them active. So like they're completing a task and require it of them. When you do that, they feel more fulfilled. So understanding adult learning is very, very important. And the unfortunate thing is that the experts say that in our business, when we do an educational event, we will automatically lose 20% of the audience. And the reason is a myriad of things. Could be they don't like you the way you dress. They don't like it because you may be too old. They don't like it because you may be too young. There's a myriad of reasons why you may lose them. Your voice inflection may not bounce and dance across, you know, the room. You know, you may be, may be monotone. And the thing about being monotone is it can be outrageously boring. So we have to practice all of those skills. But today, I just want you to focus on the visual learner. And I want you to think about this between this episode and the next one that we put up. I want you to think about how can I make my programs more visual? What can I do? Can I have displays? Can I make sure my color, my flip charts are multicolored? Um, are there ways to add handouts to my program to make it more visual? Uh, including a demonstration is good if that's what you're doing in your class, but just doing a demo alone doesn't help because you've got other types of learners that just visually, they're not going to be stimulated completely. Remember, it's all about whole brain. And we have to think about how the learner, how the learning brain works. And what's really interesting is that some uh, experts in our field have done some research on that about how the learning brain works. And here is what they show. Um, of course, you can't see this, but 
they show that there are four main points that occur in the learning brain. First of all, in the cerebellum is when we see something happens. When we take recognition, we notice something occurs, we see it happen. Then in the temporal lobe, we want to hear information about sharing that information with me, tell me about it, describe how to do it. All of those things are done in that temporal lobe area. And then as we move to the frontal lobe of the brain, we want to practice. So we're moving around. We notice something happens. We hear the information. Now we're going to practice the information. And then when we get to the occipital lobe, it's just clockwise, occipital lobe, then we want to start performing it. We want to perform it in the salon. We want to take that balayage technique or that foliage technique, and we want to start doing that and adding our own style into that technique. So I want you to keep in mind how the learning brain works. If you want to know more about that, I invite you to attend one of our educational events at Guru Nation. Uh, you can find us really easy. Our website is www.gurunation.net. Or what even makes it easier for you, if you go to my bio on Instagram, which is at Real Captain Color, and you click the link tree link in my bio, it will take you to our educational page. That will take you on. You look for educational catalog. It'll take you onto our website if you choose. It'll also show you a listing of all the classes that we have available for you to take advantage of. And also it gives you an opportunity to, to look and see, you know, there's another way you can, if this information is meaningful for you, there's uh, something else you can do. You can always purchase my book, Captain Color versus the Pigment Pirates. It is available on Dorian's bookstore, uh, app, um, Amazon, amazonbooks.com and Barnes and Noble. And uh, in the book that, uh, contains a lot of the things that we teach at Guru Nation. So hopefully there's uh, lots of ways you can access some additional education if, the, if you found this podcast interesting. If you are finding our podcast interesting, number one, would you please send us some feedback? You can send us an email and that would go to dgebhart, that's G-E-B-H-A-R-T, at gurunation.net. Um, share it with your friends. We are uh, excited that our audience has been growing in our podcast, and we want to make sure that we are providing you with information that you find meaningful and something that you can actually use. So hopefully this has been enjoyable for you. I've enjoyed being able to share this with you. I will see you in another episode where we will discuss the auditory learner. And until I see you, have a wonderful day. I wish you happy coloring. And as always, from my heart to yours, I am Captain Color. I am out. Have an amazing day. Bye-bye. The previous recording was a production of Guru Nation, a brand neutral educational resource for salon professionals around the world.